0: I got kicked out of kindergarten, which is freaking nuts.
1: How do you do that? Were and you beating up me, other kids Oh, or what? then
0: they let me back into school. Then I got kicked out in fourth grade. So in Florida, they didn't have air conditioners in the school. It was Warner Christian Academy. And um, we'd have to wear our gym outfits under our uniforms or whatever we wore oh, in school. Oh, man, that's hot. And it was hot. So one day in class, it was so hot. Because sometimes they'd let you take your clothes off and be in your gym uniform. So I'm just sitting in class, and I just... Took off my clothes and set up my gym uniform. I got sent to the principal's office, and that was the last time I saw that class. They're they like, that, that that was the hair that broke the camel's back. Right. I can't remember all the other stuff <laughs> I did, but, you know, my mom could probably tell you. Sure, sure. Um, so. We'll get
1: your mom on the next episode.
0: She'll yeah, tell she, us all uh, the stories. She tells my kids all these stories. So I'm like, don't tell these kids these stories.
1: <laughs> There's a story inside every smoke shop, with every cigar and with every person. Come be a part of the cigar lifestyle at Bobita. This is Box Press. Hey everyone, Rob Gagne here with Box Press. Welcome to another episode. I am at PCA 2021 and I'm sitting across from Mickey Pegg who obviously comes from us from a long line of tobacco. He's been in the business for over 20 years from consumer to shop manager, all the way into being the VP of sales for CAO and also on the blending team. Mickey, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Your history in the cigar business has been a long time.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it, it's interesting because I think one of your questions you asked me if I, you know, I guess there's so much heritage and we found out that my, after I was with Davidoff, we found a picture of my great, great grandfather's tobacco shop. In, uh cincinnati all the germans came in through sure. cincinnati and it was called swords tobacco uh it's a, it's a cool little picture but uh, yeah i i uh, i got a job working at georgetown tobacco with uh under david berkabyle who uh happy birthday david he just turned 81 56 years in the business uh i was fetching cigars for a senator and um I was in there so much that, you know, they, they offered me a job, and it was a great job to have on the weekends.
1: I heard about that job from KMA Radio. Yeah. You talked about, explain that, how you would actually have to go pick up the cigars for that senator.
0: Yeah, so my junior year of college, you had, it was mandatory, uh, all athletes had to do an internship, and you had to do campus ministry. Uh, so we, you know, our coach was like, it was Division three football, you know, one, Paris for life, goes, you got to go get an internship. If you're going to play senior year, mandatory had to do it. We had mandatory study hall too. Sure. Which was hilarious. Like one year, the whole team got like a three, nobody was below like a three one, and we said the bottom 20% would have to go to study hall. We said, Coach, everybody broke three oh, so we shouldn't have study hall. He goes, Don't be in the bottom 25% or 20%. <laughs> so, <laughs> but um, so I was working for a senator at the time, and if Back then, you didn't have to pay interns, and you really wanted that on your resume. And if you did a good job, the chief of staff would send you with a wad full of cash because there was no Ubers,
1: wasn't right. Venmo, there was
0: none yeah. of those things back in the you know the late 80s, 89. And uh, you go down, take a cab down to Georgetown from Capitol Hill, go get the cigars, come back, and then whatever change was left, you got to keep it. And there was, somebody didn't show up to smoke that cigar. You gotta sit you got to sit in with the with the senator and listen to his phone calls, his conference calls. And I'm sitting there one day and they had the president of the United States on. He was on a conference call and it was they were working on NAFTA at the time, trying to get his vote. Or what was pre-NAFTA. And I was like, this is pretty, this is pretty freaking cool.
1: Smoking cigars and getting stuff done on Capitol yeah, Hill. And you
0: can smoke at the Capitol. As a matter of fact, I still have um, a House of Representatives ashtray that they used to have all over the place that somehow Got sure. out of the capitol building i don't know how i got out of oh, there, sure but it just ended up in my flat you know back in, in dc yeah right 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 i used to have a senate one and i think i had too many beverages one night and gave it away i think <laughs> i had another one i couldn't find it um but that, that was such a fun and interesting time um and i was thinking about chasing politics at the time and i actually did work a little bit on capitol hill and then that part-time at georgetown turned into a part-time job at uh, georgetown tobacco
1: so what made you want to try to chase a career in politics
0: uh, it, was, it was enamored to me. I kind of grew up around a little bit in Florida. My grandfather was a little bit involved with it um, on, a, on a national level through his best friend and attorney, by a guy by the name of Bill Crotty. Um, and he helped me get my first jobs on Capitol Hill. And I was just, it was just, you know, thought, you know, you're young and impressionable, thinking you can go out Eager. and change the world. Yeah, yeah. You, know, you know. Now, I always said I wanted to hold office. There's no way. I never yeah, right. wanted to hold office about a, too many skeletons in the closet, and two, with this exposure <laughs> of social media. So, um, and yeah, then I how, found out...
1: How bad would social media have been for somebody trying to run for politics back in the 80s?
0: Oh, if, if that stuff existed when I was in college, I would have I got kicked out of college. I mean, I, <laughs> I, I wouldn't even... Thank God there's tobacco, you know, at the time, but, um... Yeah, it's unbelievable. I feel
1: bad for kids nowadays because it's like, holy cow, everything's on display.
0: Well, 24/7. I kind of like it because I have three daughters. <laughs> <Yeah>. So <I'm laughs> yeah. like, you like, the flip don't, side these, don't, of don't, these pictures will never go away. You better right. be good. And so they're, they're pretty good. So, How
1: are your kids handling that?
0: Uh, they're doing a great job. You know, it's, it's interesting you ask that because I have three daughters. Uh, one just graduated high school. One's going to be a senior in high school. And my youngest, uh, who's 14, who's 6'1", is going to be a freshman. Plays basketball. My two older ones row. And my oldest daughter, Tierney, uh, came home her sophomore year in high school and goes, Daddy, I want to row. And I'm like, all right, Tinkerbell, whatever. You know, yeah, Philadelphia, right. there, there's a huge rowing community there. And I'm like, that's a $2,000 swing. It's one of those a la carte sports you got to pay $2,000 for. Nice. Uh, and I'm like, dude, this is not a whim. Come to find out she's a pretty good rower. She, just, she signed with LaSalle for a full ride for rowing. Whoa. So now she just signed a contract with Barstool's athletes. Have you seen that? Yes, stuff? Barstool up. Sports. So she should be posted on that soon. And then she just signed another one with Wicked Dog Apparel, as uh, a clothing line that I'm partly invested in. That and so is my partner Frank. That our other partner had started with another college buddy, out of Boston. So she'll be representing Wicked two
1: Dog ones. Apparel.
0: Wicked Dog Apparel. What top. is
1: it? What is that?
0: It, it's a clothing line that was based out of Boston. Even though it was a um, and it kind of has a Boston Terrier uh, terror in the uh, logo, and some of the money they make goes towards like beaten dog, you know, uh, uh, ill-handled dogs and stuff like that. Sure. And it's just it's a hyper local brand that's gaining a little bit of interest in the East Coast. What kind of
1: apparel? Everyday you know, apparel. Pretty
0: much like that, that preppy look with the with the golf shirts and fun T-shirts and shorts and sandals and yeah. So and everyday apparel. Neat, yeah, it's got a neat little logo. So. Nice. Uh, so you'll see that on her Instagram too Are you up.
1: wearing any of it now?
0: Uh, I'm actually wearing the cufflinks, So Oh nice So that's what the logo looks like so. Okay. I'm too cheap to make all scenes cufflinks <laughs> I, I gotta save the money for that Habano wrapper You exactly. like so much
1: Exactly all the money's going yeah. into these cigars Putting the Habano wrapper on the dedication Very smart But I'm assuming too you also have to tweak Some of the blend on the inside To yeah, make it all so work so you,
0: you gotta work with the percentages a little yeah. bit And you know ours are our cigars are made at the Tabagusa factory, uh, which uh, Rocky Patel yep. is part of, with a uh, Milcar Perez, affectionately uh, we call it Mika. So we work with, the beautiful thing is on the blending, we work with Amica, Mika, we work with, Amika, we work with uh, his uh, nephew Gerber Castro, and obviously Hamlet you know, yep. helps out a little bit too. Um, so we really have a good audience in helping us uh, navigating to what I want to get to. And the profile, even Frank's getting involved with the blending now, which is fun. Uh, my partner Frank Leo, yep. and um, yeah, so that Habana, this, this, what you're smoking right now, was came in second place to our first line that we came out with, really? So, yeah, so when we, first we,
1: line was Solamente, no,
0: the, the, the first line, no, oh. that was a that was an accidental run, really, yeah, so we only happy did, accident, yeah, so we did, so in 2017, we did. 15,000 of those. And we were gonna pick up, we only did one shape, one size, five by 58. Yep. And we were gonna go down to the factories in 18 and really ramp up and finish our blending and and ramp up that, and they didn't even have a name Solamente at the time. Okay. There was not even a prototype name. The prototype name for it was actually dedication. Oh. The Solamente. Got it. Then we were down there in 19 because we couldn't get down there in 18 because the climate just wasn't conducive to be down in, sure. in Mica at the time. And, uh, and Mica kept going, Miki, Miki, Solamente, because it's 15th, you know, Quince me. you know, and like, I'm like, alright, uh, it kept saying Solamente, which means only in Spanish. And I texted Frank and I go, try to trademark that right now. So yeah. we call it Solamente. But that one, you know, has the Habana wrapper on it. Now they're almost all gone. We will, we might replicate that blend again. I it got a be, box
1: in my humidor, so they're yeah, not all gone. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I got to send you another one before we run out. Um, we could replicate that blend again in the future. Yeah. So that's why I'm saying it was an accidental. It wasn't somebody said it's kind of like the lost and found? I'm like, no, those guys do a great job of that. That right. was that was a forgotten and an oh shit, you know? Sure, like, sure. Um, and it gave us an opportunity to take something to market while we were waiting for the actual two dedication to get done sure because they were already aged they had already been aged right. for like almost three years at that point Dang. um so that that's how that came to be so
1: great stick this is a great stick
0: yeah this. so this is one of the blends and we decided to go with the san andres wrapper with the original dedication so that yep. will be called habano dedication eh, eh, dedication not dedication habano so yep you'll see on the nomenclature i will say habano a little bit bigger than you'll see dedication dedication yes yeah, so. sweet
1: I'm excited for that. Good. I love Habano rappers. I love the regular dedication with the San Andreas, right?
0: Yeah. That's great. Uh, It's from the Toronto family. You know, know, I always say, people are saying San Andreas, San Andreas. Make sure you know where you're getting it from.
1: Yeah, this is great. Dedication, All Saints. Now, you said it was tough for you to come out with All Saints because most Saint names are already trademarked.
0: Most of them are. So. Um, so you got St. Francis. Lucky you. I don't know how we got St. Francis. Uh, yeah. Um, what other ones? We're, you we're on the tail end of it. Of, yeah, it's a long process, as you know, with trademarking. Yeah. I mean, you guys went through it years ago. You know, with the whole switch over. Uh, it just it, 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 the switch doesn't go off. It's going to be protest. You know, all right. this stuff. Um, and believe me, your trademark attorneys will love to go over and over again, over and over yeah, again yeah. at frickin' seven hundred and fifty dollars an hour. Lawyer
1: fee. Yeah. <laughs> lawyer fee. But
0: it's worth it, you know, it's yeah. one of those things, you know. Um, so yeah, so, you know, we got other names that are coming out, but they're they're based on different things and we're having we're fun with it, you know, that keeps in the the All Saints the genre of that. So Right.
1: But from your past, working with CAO, so I, I got the opportunity to meet Tim.
0: Yes, he's a dynamic person.
1: He is so generous with his time. He was up at Tobacco Grove where I worked right. and came in and talked all about the LX3 or LX2.
0: The LX2, yeah, so. Which
1: actually should have been called the LX3 because there's three different types of Leheron. Yeah, yeah,
0: correct. That's yeah. why
1: I keep calling it the LX3 that, after that.
0: Yeah, that was his, you know, a lot of that stuff at the end was all him on his brainchild and a lot of that blending. And what you know, Tim did, and there's a story, and it's like um, like John Heber does the same thing. There's a story behind all his cigars. You can clearly see that they have their own identity. Right. It's like some people say, all oh, your kids look alike, but you know you can see all the subtle differences of your kids or whatever. Uh, they tell a story, and I always like to tell a story, and I want something that's memorable, that coordinates with the brand. And right. um, Tim always did a great job of doing that. And there's a lot of things that he did at CAO that brought things to light that nobody else talked about. You know, It was like, people weren't talking about draw testing. They thought it was a secret. He's like, why, why aren't we talking about this? This is- Oh yeah. You know, this, this is, a, now everybody draws- To show
1: com- customers that you do draw tests-
0: Correct. You're so showing you're not wasting your money. Cause that was one of the biggest issues at the time. You know, um, and talking about different tobaccos that were in those cigars that nobody else talked about.
1: Well, and in the early well, the 90s boom is what you're talking about. The big problem was people were rolling cigars so fast that they didn't need to draw test them because they'd sell them anyways. Right. Right? So, if you are draw testing, doing quality control things as a manufacturer, you should advertise that because then you know, as right. a consumer, when you walk in and you buy a 20 or a $10 stick,
0: you're going to get a good. Yeah, good cigar. And you know what? Quite frankly, a lot of them weren't doing that. Matter of fact, at one point, uh, I was getting my master's on the weekends at University of Pennsylvania, but, uh, but I had to study abroad. So I studied in Switzerland, Paris, and, and London. And on the way to my Stockholm uh, seminars that I had to do, I stopped in Hamburg and we did. We were talking about moisture. We were looking at uh, these moisture devices for tobacco that we were actually thinking about implementing into the process at that time. Sure. Even though that we were using other people to like Toronto's, Perdomo right uh placentia we're all doing a lot of our cigars but we were thinking about implementing that in and then i should have known when you know all of a sudden we just stopped doing it because i was the lead guy on that going to hamburg uh the, we were for sale or <laughs> we sure. were on the market right there's a couple of indicators i guess should have gone i was just out grinding <laughs> so hard i didn't pay attention so uh, was, uh, was, so
1: when you were on the road yeah so what countries did you say you went to Oh, uh, when I was on the road, uh, let's see. You I've just name name three. Canada, Switzerland?
0: Germany, Switzerland. No, in Europe. Uh, yeah, uh, in Europe. In Europe, Switzerland, Germany, uh, London, uh, England, uh, Sweden. And Which one per- was your favorite? My favorite country. Uh, they all had their own personality. I really was I was so enamored with um, the Swedish culture. It was interesting because. Sure. Uh, we studied under the uh, the pods of um, Volvo on their pod building mentality. And then uh, we got to hear from Ikea and their, their strategy. Like they Explain wanted-
1: the pod building from Volvo because it's more efficient work, right? Yeah,
0: it's a big, they do it a lot now in NBA. So you have, instead of having one really big, long assembly line, you have a pod of people that do that. So you can come up with corrective measures that's a part of that assembly. Okay. So, this is a bad example, but if we're building something, we build it around a table together in a pod, and then we could see how we can make the transition a little bit more efficient. So, it was... Oh, it was,
1: shaving it, off on the efficiency and making it all seamless.
0: Right, and making sure the stuff was durable, last, and stuff right. like that. So, Volvo was uh, was the leader in that thought process. So, it was really interesting. And, and just, that was
1: part of your MBA?
0: Yeah, it was, well, it was a Master's of Science in Organizational Dynamics and... International global leadership. Okay, that's a mouthful. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So it was more on the it was more on the leadership side. Okay, Um, but we did a lot of classes in the Huntsman and a lot of MBA, but it it wasn't a true Wharton MBA. So you
1: got hooked into Sweden when you were there to learn all that.
0: It was, it was, and I was there during the summer solstice, so the sun would set at like eleven thirty at night and get up at one. It, it was it was, it was was nuts. And I'm like, what are they, all these kids running around? And they're like, oh, they got plenty of time to sleep, you know, yeah. in, in the fall. Right, so right,
1: right. It was pretty, right,
0: uh, right. uh, pretty fun.
1: Let them play while the sun lights out.
0: And then uh, Paris was interesting because we studied at a place called Le Sur, which is a uh, play on names of laser. And it was all this uh, body the, um, reactions, the monitoring, like grocery stores, like experimenting with, like, knowing your profile to send off a scent when you're walking down a certain aisle to buy certain foods, or Whoa. monitoring your eyes where they're looking at brands. This was this was 10 years ago, 15 years ago. It was really interesting. So
1: this is like Big Brother Shopping.
0: Yeah, it was. But it was, again, to obviously try to gently upsell you. Mickey,
1: why don't we put this stuff inside humidors? We could make a ton of money.
0: I know. It's like that red couch there. You look up a red couch and it follows you on Instagram or whatever. Yeah, right. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know, that was interesting. And then um, London was great. It, it was just pure, I was, you know, I went over to Davidoff's store. <laughs> I did more time going to the tobacco shops than right. Uh, the World Cup was going on at that time. I learned a lot about soccer at the time. Did you go to any games? No, they were in Germany at the time. But okay, uh, I hung out with these blokes in between classes and a guy, I'm like, this freaking game, like, you know, who likes this game? And he goes, we don't bet on the game, we bet on the first touch, we bet on this, we bet on that, and I'm like, oh, now I like this. I'm like, so this guy the bed, they're out of the league, and their paycheck gets cut, I'm like, perfect. (laughs) I'm like, I like this, I'm like, they they should make this, oh, you don't perform, you don't get paid. I'm like, we should do that with American sports. Like Ah. in sales, if you don't perform, you don't, you don't get paid, you know? So it's No five-year
1: uh, contracts with guarantees. Right,
0: right. And I and it was just fun just hanging out with those guys and drinking sure. a lot of pints and going to some, some of the old legendary places. And then um, I got to do a little bit of business and work when I was over there too because sure. obviously uh, CIO was paying for it at the time.
1: Do you think when you travel like that you get a better frame of reference for like a bigger global mindset?
0: Yeah, I think so because, you know, you know a lot of people underestimate the – the microcultures of the United States, um, right. and then it's a little bit more distinctive in Europe because you know the accents are distinctly different. Uh, where we have subtle accents, you know, everybody thinks that America has a Southern drawl and all this stuff. Like, uh, you know, there, where I live, there's a there's a the Delco accent, like the mayor of East Easttown. East Town, they did a whole that it's a subsect of a Philly accent, which is very similar to the Baltimore accent. Right, and there's different things. It's like. I said in one of the interviews it's like if you've been to one tobacco shop you've only been to one tobacco shop they all have a different personality different shapes different sizes different blends everything else um, uh, you know has different personalities
1: because of your experience with a brand that had that kind of breadth of line that could fill a lot of different types of smokers right are you trying to emulate that in all saints where you know you have to eventually get to a point where you can fulfill all types of smokers from your line?
0: Yeah, because I, I think that's extremely important. Um, right. Some people say they smoke with they, they 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 make what they like, and and that's great. Those people usually have a palate that that emulates to what the consumer wants. So that's saying the same thing of to me. That's the same in, in, in your cigar sales. So those brand owners that say I smoke what I like, or I, I create what I like, and if I right. I can't sell them, I'll smoke them. That's the same as saying you're making stuff for the consumer to me, because you just have a palette that matches up with them. So uh, I would call it a moody palette, but I have a palette that, you know, I want mild cigar, I want a full body. I want to taste this, I want to taste that, you know, those things. And so, yeah, do we want to have something where uh, we hit all different moods, all different types and yeah, obviously.
1: And in my opinion, people's palates for the majority, they don't particularly like anything that's one-dimensional or super, right. you know, spicy or super one-direction. Because then it just gets boring. So at that point, you are better off blending for a overall experience for the whole life of the cigar.
0: Right. So like our first cigar, I, I would say it was was medium and strength. I think this is medium and strength, and then our St. Francis. I think it's medium plus plus Solamente had a little bit of juice to it. Starts really? out stronger than it, than it comes down. Okay. Um, and, and, you know, we want a mild, we want, we're working on a mild cigar right now. Um,
1: Are you always interested in how the cigar
0: transitions too? Like, oh, with Solamente, you
1: were like, oh, it's strong and then it tapers off? Or do you like it where it goes, it's mild and I then like, it gets off? I, like,
0: I like it to change up. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. So I like it to pick up momentum. Um, so
1: you would prefer a cigar that started out mild and grew? Or no, the other sometimes
0: way. it depends on how we position the leaf. Sometimes, sometimes right. uh, like the Solamente started out full. You yep. Wow, That's a full cigar. Four puffs later, you're like, oh, okay, that's medium plus. Right. Uh, capture your attention. It depends on what you're trying to do. Like sure. Uh, I, I first learned that from Abo Uvasian when I worked at um, at Davidoff. Abo was very. He talked about. It, I spent more time talking to him than Hanky So I learned. That's where I learned from most of the stuff from sure. the DR but uh, i got to travel with abo quite a bit and that was abo that was his big concern like one c- cigar should be more than one c- he always thought one cigar should be more than one cigar so it, it should change up on you It has bit. like
1: a little bit of a sweetness to it
0: yeah that's the jalapa i love jalapa amika busts my balls every time we go down there we got all the tobaccos lined up He goes, miki there's other tobaccos besides a lot, but I go, oh, I know. <laughs> it's like my wife always says to me when we're coming up with color schemes, she goes, you know, there's other colors besides red and blue, and I go, forest green, khaki? You know, I don't know. <laughs> so um, so it's kind of funny. Yeah, so you, you got to watch that it. sometimes, and that's what's great about being down there. What's new? What do you got? And see how it, it would complement. Sometimes you want the tobaccos to complement each other, and sometimes you want them They're kind of getting a little bit of an argument. Right. So,
1: And you're having fun blending that.
0: Yeah, it's, it's fun when you get started and you know you're on the right track and then it gets painful because you're just smoking really? all these, not painful, but you're going through all these iterations and then... How many do you think you go through on average? On an average, I don't know, 15, 30, depends on what it is. And then you've got to go back and smoke them again and make sure that you so got that what you thought you got when you smoked it. Um, and then bring them back to the United States, smoke them, and then go back down to the factory, smoke them again, and then it's usually smoke them down there... Now I started working on some blends that got shipped up to me. And then when I go back down, I'm going down in August. Will be my first trip down there since last February. Wow! Um, but that still is not the same. But you got to bring them back to the United States and smoke them again, and then go back down and then Why is do your that? final. It's just a different. It settles a little bit because you're still you're still doing some predictive um, analysis in the sense that okay. And we're smoking them through the whole process. Three months in the Escarate, six months in the Escarate, nine months in the Escarate, or even as late as 12 months before we actually ban them and take them to market. Wow. Because it will change. Yeah. So, um, you get a less change with the longer the tobacco's aged. Uh, that transition is not. Sure. But um, when that is about a year to two years old before you roll it, That, it, that those first, when, when those tobaccos are marrying together, are they're going through their teenage years? Yeah, they're rambunctious, <laughs> quick changes, and you know, okay. and then all of a sudden it settles. You know, so perfect. It's interesting.
1: Maturity happens after your twenties.
0: Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, my wife still thinks I need to grow up. So. <laughs> she she keeps saying when she wants to come back as me in her next life. So or she wants oh, to meet really? me Oh, really because you day.
1: have more fun than she does.
0: Yeah, she thinks she does. She's she's awesome though. She, yeah, yeah, she's she's uh she's a sweetheart. What does she do? She uh, is a fantastic uh, wife and beautiful mom, and um, she works for Marriott, uh, doing global sales, uh, working with big companies, getting them, you know, group sales basically. Nice. And then she has a side business she just started. It's, um, she does jacouterie boards. Mostly oh, for- Oh, sure. So she builds them and sells them and then delivers them. And my daughters deliver them. I have to deliver them sometimes. So she's a woodworker. No, she uh, makes. She puts it with all the meats and the cheeses and oh, all that stuff. Gotcha. She could, so she gets the board, so then they get to keep the board. And they so put she's like on. a
1: cook. She's making it yeah, all happen. Yeah, but it's all, yeah, yeah.
0: She, and she fabricates, puts the meats in like a tulip and, you know, the yeah, meat sweats, as we call yeah. them. So we have one fridge at any time. It's just nothing but meats and cheeses. So if you want salt and constipation, go to that fridge. Yeah. But she's been doing that for 20 years. When I would travel all the time... When I lived in Nashville, I would come home and she would have some of that stuff sent in from Philly with the breads. And the whole countertop would be full of that and all the wine that I horse traded with all our friends out in Sonoma and Napa. And every Friday night when I get home, the neighborhood was over there, the lights were on. I'd walk into a house full of people. I haven't seen my family in a week. There's a house full of people that are drinking wine and we're eating the meats. And so she does this for, she's been doing this for all the events and housewarming parties and finally somebody said, why don't you do this for whatever? And so I kind of worked on her on COGS, like Cost of Goods and stuff like that. Um, and she started doing it and it's, she's been doing it since April. It's been very good. And it's been very therapeutic because she was furloughed all through, um, Oh uh, sure. uh, you know, during the pandemic. So. Yeah,
1: the hotel industry yeah. got hit hard.
0: Yeah, they got pretty, they're coming back now though, good. so. Good,
1: good. I wanted to talk a little bit about the blending process for you. Yeah. Where did you feel like you actually started learning? You talked about talking to uh, Avo. You also worked on blends at CAO. At CAO. So yeah. where do you feel like you kind of cut your teeth? That you actually were like, okay, now I can actually contribute. Well, to the curi-
0: I think well, it started with the curiosity. I would say because when I was at Georgetown Tobacco, there was no, there really wasn't any publications or anything. There was Cigar Encyclopedia that was out. And they talked a little bit about the anatomy of the cigar and where it was fabricated. Um, and I would just, uh, every time somebody would come in from a certain co- company, I would just ask them, where's the tobacco from? Why'd you use this? So it was a lot of So questions. as a retailer? As a retailer, because I wanted to be able to correlate yeah. and tell that story to uh, the consumers when they came in.
1: Smart. That's what I did too. Yeah. I was like, I got to use this time wisely while I got this guy here.
0: Right. And they all were enamored to, to, to tell you these stories. Right. And that was the birth of these sales. Like guys like Frank Elam, um, Dan Magris and all these guys, just, just great guys. that they, they knew their product. Um, John Turpak was, was with Ashton at the time. Uh, Kevin was at Davidoff. And so uh, at that time, and I just asked a lot of questions and then, you know, you sell what you know and you sell, you sell what you like and you sell what you know. So. Um, And then I got the job with Davidoff, and then traveling with Avo, you'd hear those. And then we were doing a lot of entertaining in the DR with our appointed merchants. So I had the ability to go down there, go to the fermentation rooms, the color-coding rooms, and all that stuff, you know, at the Davidoff facilities. Uh, I was fortunate enough to visit some of the other facilities down there uh, as well, and that was like a high-level learning. And then with CAO... It was all hands on deck because we were a smaller company, which was great because then my exposure, and I really learned a lot from the Placencia family, Perdomo, uh, and you know, and uh, obviously a little bit with Rocky and a little bit with Jonathan Drew. Uh, yeah. When he was camped out down there and just yeah. hanging out, you know, and- Picking drinking up- Drinking a lot of Florida Kanye and, uh, <laughs> and just picking their brains and stuff like that. And so that's when we start working on the blends and, and stuff like that. Okay, so, so I got
1: to ask, because every factory will say that you're, they're unique. We, we blend a little different. We age a little differently. From your perspective, true or false?
0: Extremely true.
1: Extremely true.
0: Yeah. Um, now I'm at, Now, now remember, so I'm at the beck and hands with the inventory that I have. So I have... Access to almost all of the tobaccos that Rocky has access to, that library of tobaccos. Um, And I have access to some other tobaccos as well. But the way you blend the cigar and the way you put them together, the way you actually put them together is different. Pete Johnson says it all the time. Put five guys in a room and give them all the same ingredients with the same percentages, you're going to have five different cigars or three different cigars, whatever his analogy is. And I think it's spot on, absolutely. Really? The so way it's you how put them you together, do it together. Well, every part of the leaf has a different influence on this sure. cigar, from the top to the bottom. So the whether strength. it's
1: the the end of the leaf first yeah. or backwards
0: or yeah, accordion style, whatever you're doing, yeah, there's there's sure. a lot of. So that's what you're saying. My process was a little disruptive, and so it was. <laughs> what, uh, why is it disruptive? Uh, because it wasn't the normal. So that factory is very Cuban-esque, very. Uh, Which factory? Tabacusa, Okay. So, they don't even like to talk about binder. They consider that part of the recipe because they use two binders. Most all Nika factories use two binders. Okay. Uh, and then you have your fillers, there's three to four components in that, usually usually three, sometimes two, sometimes four. Uh, and then the wrapper, uh, yeah, there's some ways of, of positioning the tobacco that I, I wanted to work with. And, and, then they, and they say no, 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 you're wrong. I'm like, no, I'm not wrong. This is the way. So you have the same, you want the same rollers rolling your cigars. And no matter if you put a, like Nimish always says, no matter, you're going to put a small PO, put a PO in again, I don't care how small it is, because you want those rollers that are dedicated, those Torcedors that are working on your cigars, you want them to have the muscle memory of putting those tobaccos together. Okay. So that's why you hear... Some of the people talking about the, the hyatt only these rollers do these cigars, okay, well, some of those are a lot more technical and stuff like that i't don't, I don't think we ours are not that technical i don't think it's sure uh, it's a little different how we juxtapose the tobaccos I guess uh, All right. to use an SAT word but you know, yeah. yeah, so I like it um, yeah so', so it's so true yeah and the every factory has its own comes. like every retailer has its own personality, every factory has its own personality, right. they have their own vibe, you know they've got these up and coming guys I mean, look how fast AJ not, not how fast i mean 10 years i'm like oh yeah, yeah you're yeah, overnight yeah. success oh well, it took freaking 20 years right? Right. So, um but you know he had his style and he's very meticulous like i've been just i've been to his compound we play basketball when i'm down there because uh,
1: apparently it matters
0: yes a lot yeah he's 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 on it and milk cars the same way like watching everything i get
1: it now when they say that because every time they said like oh well we have a unique way of doing this and i'm like why does everyone say they have a unique way of doing this? But now it makes sense. that if you explain it, it's just the process of the way they like to roll cigars. Yeah,
0: and also you know you also we hear about is the process that at the process of rolling the cigar. It's also the process of what they're doing in the fincas and what they're doing in their nurseries and all these different styles that they do. That those are those are the guys that really they're 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 unbelievable. And you know always trust a guy that's running a finca in a farm that grows his own vegetables. So, if you go to the fincas that Rocky owns with a milk car and stuff like that, a mill car and Gerber grow their own vegetables on the front of the property. And that's one of the ways they feel like they can taste the terra, taste the land, and see where the tobaccos really? are. So, so yeah. the
1: farmers growing vegetables to eat to understand the flavors well, coming for, out of the soil. It's cheap and they yeah.
0: can do it, but it's also, they, they feel like they get, speaking of John Huber. You got a sexy middle finger, big boy. You <laughs> ever just flicked me off. Uh, God love him. It's better than Boofy. Boofy would try to make out with me. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so that, that's interesting. You know, so you, you know, you throw Yaka's and stuff like that. It's pretty cool.
1: That's awesome. So starting your own brand then and having...
0: Oh, it's easy. Everybody should do it. <laughs> so easy. Yeah, it's so easy. Yeah. Just take all the money you made in the world and just dump it into a cigar.
1: Yeah and then take more money and dump it in?
0: Yeah, and then borrow some too. <laughs> and hope your kids get scholarships.
1: <laughs> What's this saying? The best way to make a million dollars in the tobacco business is start with 10?
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, it's <laughs> funny when I was in—I went to Catholic University and we lived in the area for a while and we'd go back to visit for homecoming and they, you know, some of my old buddies, are like, so Mick, you know, I was always kind of a little bit of an entrepreneur. Uh, they're like, so Mick, what are you up to? I'm like, working on my second million. Like, really? And I'm like, well, the first one didn't work out so well. So, <laughs> so I'm working on my second million. Yeah, so that's, yeah, it's, um, what helped, I think, is just uh, being at, you know, at the, at the ground level, watching two companies build. Uh, now, Davidoff came in with a lot of money, a lot of steam, and a lot of thought, a lot of, for- they, they did a great job at that time. Sure. Um, so to have that and, and their willingness to, to teach us and work with us, You know that, and then CAO already had some; they'd already had some established brands at that time. To be a part of that hyper growth was amazing. Starting it from the complete foundation from the very beginning is uh, is is a lot different. You know, right? My whole career, I've had a bunch of people support. I am the support mechanism. It's me and Frank right now. Um, I am the sales force. Frank does a little bit in Chicago. We got Chris Mulcrone helping us out a little bit in the Chicago area. Um, You know, just trying to find those right partners to to team with us and having enough quality brands to take the market to that could fulfill somebody's portfolio. You're talking about retailers. Retailers and like maybe a broker. Sure. Retailers, I don't think are in the mood to be brand builders like they were once before. Oh yeah, I agree with that. They're so consumed with Legislation, regulation, all those. Should
1: they try to build your brand? I don't think they should.
0: uh, I think I've always partnered with people that help build a a brand.
1: They're going to help, but they shouldn't. You shouldn't plop product down and say, please build this in your shop.
0: You're absolutely correct. And I'll tell you, one of the things, and John Heber just walked by, we talked about was always connect with the consumer. Right. Understand and respect the vehicle that how it gets to the consumer but the most thing is don't leave up don't leave it up to somebody else to tell our story sure and I believe that wholeheartedly. like I'm just one I just want to get out and tell my story over and over and over and over again and I can't tell enough I'm listen I got in trouble yesterday with a couple retailers that are way behind 100% I haven't been back in since that initial sale Sure. So, yeah, and I, you know what? Shame on and me. And they need
1: you to tell that story. I got to go, go back consumers. in and tell that
0: story over and over again. So you know, we're, so we're now we're we're focused on that a little bit, and that we're 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 segmenting and managing our growth in a proper way. So, but yeah, so <coughs> um, retailers don't need to build brands. There was a time that they needed to build brands for their own. Okay. For their own existence, um, because. Cigar stores were opening up on, on one after another on top of each other. Sure. So they were looking at ways to differentiate themselves. So if a brand said, ah, oh, we're already at capacity, we can't, we got a 10 mile radius, we can't sell you, blah, blah, blah. They would do other stuff and uh, to differentiate themselves, They'd bring in brands like like the stuff that we did at CAO. And that's where we got a lot of leverage at that time. So, And then uh, John, you know, with his mustache, this, this guy is just, he's gonna to torment me for the rest of my life. I love him. I miss him. He's a great guy. I, I miss guy. yelling through the window. Yeah, yeah. He, oh. would just, he would just slip me like bottles of uh, Jim Beam and, and bourbon just to shut me up, you know, under at a little doorway between our offices. Um,
1: Both of you over at CEO trying to make
0: well, it Well, it's funny because here I am like the goofy white guy in a bow tie, and here he is all tatted up and they're like, You guys know each other? I'm like, our offices are right next to each other. <laughs>
1: So we we were, look like brothers. How we can you were not recognize eggs. us? We were
0: toxic. We, we called ourselves the Toxic Twins. So <laughs> it was uh, one of the books. You know, he was friends with all those guys. So um, uh, it was one of the Motley Crue guys wrote that book. So it's hilarious. But, uh, yeah, did I go off on a tangent again? No, Sorry. I love
1: it. Do you remember your first sales call to try to get All Saints into us? Uh, 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 I remember my it?
0: first – you know, ironically, my first sales call for All Saints was my first sales call as a uh, – a cigar rep. Really? So I'll tell you that story then you'll know where this is going. So I get the job, I decide I'm not going to go into politics and I'm going to pursue this career. I just did a dinner for George Padron, I, I can't get up there, can you do this dinner? Uh, I'll give you a box of cigars, I'll give you like a hundred bucks and this <laughs> like just tell the story, you know the story, just tell the story of Padron, whatever. I'm like, so I got to go to the Cosmopolitan Club, eat a 10-course meal, drink all these gorgeous wines, drink a suit. And David Birkebaum would always make us carry our resumes in case we had a job for a real job opportunity. Push my resume, smoke this, and then I'm going to walk with a box of cigars, and I'm going to walk with cash. This is money. Perfect. I love it. So fast forward, Davidoff offers me the job. I had fell in love with my wife. I wanted something, you know, on the hill you get these jobs for nine months, they paid you great, but then you spend three months looking for your next one. Right. And you're only as good as who's ever elected. So your longevity sure. of your job was only as good as that last person elected. So um, uh, I get the job with Davidoff. I go, my first sales call is gonna be Georgetown Tobacco. So if you've ever been to Georgetown Tobacco, it's this beautiful old store, uh old athropotheky whatever that word is yeah apothecary like, phar- uh, yeah yeah yeah. pharmaceutical yep. uh, pharmacy type stuff for the cabinetry and then if you go up to the third floor where david's office is it's like a, it's like a museum up there it's unbelievable vintage posters him and shankin used to go back and forth on um on posters and just really really neat up there so i go up there i'm gonna make my first sales call and they're slammed and they're busy the phone rings and David goes, "Answer the phone." I go, "David, I don't work for Georgetown Tobacco anymore. I work for Davidoff." He goes, "If you want this fucking <laughs> order, you're gonna pick up the phone right now and you're gonna answer it." I go, "Hello, Mickey Pegg, formerly of Georgetown Tobacco, now with Davidoff. May I help you, please?" And I, still, <laughs> I I could still key into the register for like two years afterwards and work around the holidays. So that was my first sales call, Davidoff, and then it was my first I got my first dollar from David. Um, nice. That's pretty cool.
1: That's awesome. Yeah, it's a great guy. So then. He's the guy that got you your first yeah. start We, named, we all
0: we sense. D- we named him Vitola after him, Berkey. So the dedication, the Robusto is called Berkey, and it's named after David Berkawal. Wow. And the Toro's named Commandant because I went to Valley Forge Military Academy. And more importantly, my partner went to um, the Air Force Academy. And uh, our 6x60, which is huge because I call everybody huge, uh, we named it the huge. And then our Churchill 7x48 called Coach, it's a big nod to my college football coach, Fred O'Connor, Love it. Uh, who also got me like a tryout with the Redskins You know, as a long snapper and just was a great leader in my life. And, and, and not to all the mentors in our life. And then we came out with the torpedo, the miter. And this is a funny story. We go in, and I, I'm in Wooden Indian. I live like literally half a mile from Wooden Indian. I'm sitting in there, and I'm like, God damn it, I gotta name this freaking cigar, because I named all the Vitolas, I gotta name this one, <laughs> I don't know what to name it. And it's this beautiful torpedo, inspired me from like the Bellicoso, like the old PG Bellicoso. It has sure. a very similar look to that, but it's a little bit more tapered. So I'm in there, and uh, Todd Beisel goes, Well, why don't you just call it the Pope's hat? Got all these, you all, you know, all saints, it's called it the Pope's hat. So I immediately Google, What's the Pope's hat called? Because <laughs> I didn't know, you'd think I'd know. Uh, it's called a miter, M I T R E, so we named it the miter. Love it. But we Love went it. back to traditional names on all the other all the lines.
1: You got a little choked up when you were talking about David.
0: Yeah. He's just a great guy. Influenced you a lot? Uh, a tremendous amount. And he's put a lot of great people in the industry. Sure. So you got Joe Holtman. There's, um, I'm going to forget somebody and I'm going to get yelled at. But, um, but did you work
1: for David in his retail shop
0: yeah, for I how had, many years? Yeah. For a lot of years. I had a very distinct role. So at that time, cigar lounges didn't exist there were there were a few of them and unless they had a retail shop next to them those lounges had to buy their cigars from a retailer that's how the manufacturers kind of protected the retailers a little bit and if um uh in restaurants you could smoke in the steakhouses like Del, uh right not Del, you know, Del frisco who wasn't a customer of ours they were up in new york but um uh, Capital Grill was a customer of ours. Morton's was a customer of ours. Now Morton's had an exclusive contract with Davidoff. That's one of the ways I got to know Davidoff too. Sure. So I sold to all those places and I was the, the big, like a mini distributor in a sense to all the restaurant accounts. And I said, David, we gotta do this. And he goes, well, I don't like giving them a discount. And I'm like 20% off, you know, 80% of something is better than 100% of nothing. After 9 o'clock, plus they mark it up a little bit higher anyway, so they get a little bit more margin. And that's also going to drive them back into our store if they want to buy them. He goes, okay, second month on the job, I netted my year's salary. He goes, oh, I think this was a pretty good idea. <laughs> and then, like, a year later, I was gone, I was off to Davidoff. But, yeah, so. Wow. And I was, like, I quickly became around town, around Washington, D.C. I was a cigar guy. And another guy, Matt Krim from Drapers, was doing that, too, at that time, too. So we were. And Gary Pesch was doing it out in Northern Virginia. So it was kind of like a, you know, we all worked together. Sure. You know, like hey, yeah, don't go on this account. or go on this account. Somebody called us and said, hey, go ahead and try to save that account. So you
1: were really kind of more outside sales- for the retailer, yeah.
0: yeah, my whole time, yeah. So I, I, I was on the floor though too, but right. Well, yeah, I was. I think my,
1: focusing a lot because at that time you could smoke in those establishments, which is now yes. not so, the case.
0: Right. So you had cigar friendly, and you had yeah, you had you know some some places you could only smoke at the bar after six o'clock, yeah, sure. and some of them you could smoke all the time. And uh, it's yeah, a different world now. Oh yeah. I mean, I was delivering cigars almost every day. You were what? Delivering cigars almost every day to a every certain
1: restaurant.
0: Every day? To a certain restaurant. That's how big That's how big it was. Just in the D.C. How metro area. How much would they buy, though? Like a box? Three, four boxes. And that would last wow. them for about a week, week and a half. That's good. Because people were putting them on their expense accounts. They're getting three and four at a time, throwing them in their jacket and stuff like that. So um, it was I knew one guy that bought them through Capitol Grill because he didn't have to, he he expensed them. (laughs) So that was, it was a different time, it was a different era. Yeah. And then I would go in and train the staff about how to present cigars and how that could mark their checks. How hard
1: is that to teach somebody who has no idea what a cigar is, how to do it?
0: it, Well, it gets really easy. Really? So, say they have a table of four, right? There's four people at a table. The meal and the wine and everything, Five six hundred dollars. Sure. So they're getting twenty percent, right, on top of that. How about I can increase that check to eight hundred nine hundred dollars? Well, how you how do I do that? Very simple. You bust the table completely. You throw an ashtray up there. Now they're buying the cognacs, the whiskeys, the expensive, and they're buying the cigar. You've just increased that check almost by fifty percent with less maintenance. It's
1: not the cigar that's making the check go up. It's the cigar plus the stuff that goes with it.
0: Yeah. So one of the things I used to do, I used to do pairings all the time. I don't really do it much anymore because everybody in the world—I mean, there's a million pairing bloggers out there. You know, back then we didn't have a shortage. I mean, I had at one point I had a case of Pappy. Like me and Huber would get stuff sent to us, like. Like we, we didn't Alcohol? want for any, yeah, we didn't want for anything. And then, I would horse trade cigars for wine, and horse trade cigars for the, the bourbons up. You know, we were just three hours south, the Bourbon Trail. All this stuff you hear about shortages of now. I mean, when I left C A O and I, I came back to Philadelphia, I had like three cases of all premium <laughs> bourbons. I drank them all because it was cheaper than that to go to the liquor store. Because sure. you know, one money was tight for a year while I was going back to school finishing right. up my grad degree and and yeah. then uh I, I i basically studied for a complete year mutual funds working on a desk and all that stuff before i went out in the field and sold it to the secondary market so okay but yeah that, that's what i drink we didn't have any money so it's like do i drink a hundred dollar bottle of bourbon or do i go buy a 20 dollar bottle of bourbon you drink a hundred dollar bottle of bourbon Just drink it i drink a lot of it because it's it all good. gone <laughs> it, was it's good. Good. it was good was good
1: So that's an interesting way of teaching somebody how to sell cigars. They don't necessarily need to know a ton about cigars. They need to know how that impacts their customer's experience at their establishment.
0: And I think the whole, everything in life that puts a smile on all our faces is an experience, you know, and and it's, and those certain components and there's always that discovery. We know, I think we all have a thirst of discovery. You know, there's the fear of missing out there, you know, I, I, I foamed. This very so missing. Why he came back in? He was so happy in his other life. No, Why I wasn't. Come back in. Because I want. Because I need to buy a plane like you. You never oh, yeah? take me on the plane. Because you haven't called me, man. I call. You. I miss you, buddy. Sorry, man. Go ahead. Go ahead. To do it. <laughs> Thank you, Kristen He's funny. He's getting all the love. Yeah, yeah. I, ba- I don't know if we call it love or my balls busted. <laughs> yeah. So. In this industry, that's love. Yeah, I love it. Those guys, I know. The first uh, when I started snooping around, I guess it was a TPE last year. Uh, we it, it was just too early for us to go to market, and um, who was it? Oh, Eric Espinosa, <laughs> Mickey, you dumbass! Why are you back? You, know? <laughs> <laughs> you got out. You're one of the ones that got out. So it's when uh, you
1: when you left CAO, were you thinking you were going to come back?
0: No, I was. I was. I was. I was. I was Churchill. I talked about. You know, Churchill used to call it the black dog chasing that black dog or hiding from the black dog. It was a really black dog moment. I didn't smoke a cigar for a year. I've, I've talked about this before. I didn't have a concept. I didn't have, I didn't look at, I boxed up all my cigar stuff and I put it away. Really? Yeah, it was heartbroken. I, Cause there you was,
1: wanted to stay in it and it oh, got sold. yeah,
0: There wasn't a place for me to go at that time. Really? And then there wasn't, matter of fact, Frank was one of the guys that wanted to put some money together at that time to go, do that because we had the connections we you know to start another brand we didn't you know but I didn't have a name we didn't have a name I didn't I had no enthusiasm and literally I was scared I had three young kids sure and I was 39 years old 40 uh, and I had to make a decision how am I going to provide for my children and my wife that have a lifestyle that they were that they were built and accustomed to that they deserve you know for putting up with me traveling I mean I was never home sure I'm traveling again been home for the last two weeks uh, but I go out for two and three weeks at a time and they deserve to have something for the time that I put in and I'm away from them right though when I'm home for too long my wife asks me where do you get on the road again (laughs) we We love you yeah we we love you but go away you know I got three daughters a wife and a female dog so it's uh it's pretty funny you're surrounded yeah, they're all beautiful. They're great. That's they're fun. True. They're all they're all ball busters. So, so at
1: that point, what did you do for that interim? When you you said you come up come up to this crux of like, how do I still make enough
0: money to live this lifestyle? So what I did is I uh, packed up the family, and went back to the Philadelphia area. Finished up my master's at University of Pennsylvania. Got a job at Lincoln Financial. Uh, studied for a year. Got all my licenses. It was harder than going back. To, it was harder than grad school. Right. It, it, it really was. Uh, I had so many. I had all these licenses and designations. Uh, and, and what were you the, selling? Mutual funds. Mutual funds. Basically, I was selling retirement plans like four hundred and one k's to a corporate level. Uh, but there's mutual funds in there. And that's why I do say mutual funds because sure. it's a little bit easier for people to translate. Yep. Um, and mutual funds are a lot like a cigar. You know, there's a wrapper, there's a binder, there's a filler. You know, sure. The wrappers being the style of mutual fund it is. The binder, Apple stock, which is in every fr- every freaking mutual fund, yep. and all the different other stocks would be the filler. Sure. It's funny when I was in that business, everybody's asking me about cigars. Now I'm back in cigars, everybody's asking me about mutual funds. <laughs> um, so, and then I studied on what they call the desk for a year, so I was like the oldest guy on the desk. And then a year to the date, I got promoted to go out in the field. So basically, I sold Wall Street to financial advisors, then would take it to an end customer, like a business owner, something of that sort. Okay yeah so. so how
1: long did you do that for
0: seven years eight years seven years seven eight years yeah and then i took all that money and dumped it into this so you that's why everybody's busting my chops is
1: that what you were planning to do though like no. how, at what point in that seven-year period were you like i got to get back in
0: 2017 cigars"? i said frank and i were talking against when, when are you getting back in and i just got fed it, it, you know i'm going if i'm going to work 14 16 hours a day i might as well do something i like it was a great experience. It provided extremely well for me and the family and made more money than I thought we could make, you know, and um, uh, it, it was just once a month when your comp check came in, you're getting 48 hours later. I'm like, I gotta go sell this again. You gotta start all these, over. So these jack offs, you know, and I'm like, you know, here we go. Not, not, the, not the business owners. Right. Well you know, financial advisors think wholesalers are idiots and wholesalers think financial advisors are right. well, I worked with a lot of good financial advisors some good. really good houses, so but I was s- very blessed.
1: Sales is like that. It's like, okay, well great, you had a good
0: month, starting over. Yeah, it's it's yeah, nobody cares. Yeah. Yeah. Well it's like, you know, I tell my kids all the time, so what now what? You know, you had a great day, you had a great week, so what now what? What are you gonna do to make the next day great? What are you gonna do to make that next week, you know, whether it's their grades, whether it's competition. You know, I, I have three highly competitive daughters, as I was talking about earlier. Or if you had a shitty day, you had a bad day, so what, now what? What are you going to do to make the next day better? So You had a bad hole on the golf course, so what, now what? Especially play match play. What are you going to do on the next tee box to make this better? What are you going to do on your next shot to make it, to continue right. that, whether it's good or bad? And, you know, and I, and I, and I try to think about that. Because, I, you know, I wake up every day and it's like it's a new day to make something happen. You know, it's the excitement. It's, it's that, it's that that chance to discover something new and make a new friend and and find a new place and find a new partnership. So, for me, it, you know, I think about that all the time. It's like, so what now? What you hear some people say, have the memory of a goldfish. You know, ten seconds, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, and I do, and I think that's what's helped me a little bit through the ups and downs, you know, right. through life. So, so.
1: I love that quote, so what, now so what? So what? I got it's it, Dr.
0: Elko is a guy that spoke at one of our kickoff meetings that, sure. I, that I stole it from. Great yeah. guy, he's, he's, he's um, been like a mental coach for a lot of winning NCAA teams like Alabama. I think he's got a couple of their national rings, for his sure. inspiration to those teams. He's, a, he's an interesting guy, E-L-K-O, Dr. Elko. When did you learn that from him? uh he spoke coach? at one of our kickoff meetings at lincoln financial we always had these dynamic oh, gotcha. speakers to kick off the year for sales yeah yeah you yeah. know you're going for your sales recognition and all that stuff it was always awesome okay because uh, i quickly was on the leader on that board and it was just uh it was pretty cool and he was probably one of all these great speakers that's the one line i remember you know and i love so it. so what now what? Uh, yeah that I, I haven't read you drive yeah
1: do you think it takes some of that tenacity to keep in a business either like this or financials? It, it, or?
0: Anything you do, I think. it's a, so. We're not going to have all great days, and we're going to have a lot of great days, and hopefully they outnumber the shitty mm-hmm. days. But I think shitty mm-hmm. days are God's way of telling you, hey, listen, you're going to appreciate those great days, though, too. And so, you learn from that. Yeah.
1: You I'd learn rather from not, mistakes. I'd rather learn
0: from other people's mistakes. <laughs> but, you know, consider like a guy like one of the... I think one of your things were like, how many? what grade school did I go to and where? I'm like, which one? I got kicked out of kindergarten. I got kicked <laughs> out of fourth grade. I got kicked out of 10th grade. I went to three different high schools. Really? One of them twice. Why? I was just a hell I I didn't steal. I didn't do anything. I was just crazy. I got kicked out of... I can't it was remember... was just what. crazy. I got kicked out of kindergarten, which is freaking nuts. How do you do that? Were and you up me, other kids Oh, then they let me back into the school. Then I got kicked out in fourth grade. So in Florida, they didn't have air conditioners in the school. It was Warner Christian Academy and um we'd have to wear our gym outfits under our uniforms or whatever we wore Oh at school. man that's hot and it was hot so one day in class it was so hot because sometimes they let you take your clothes off and be in your gym uniform so i'm just sitting in class and i just took off my clothes and set my gym uniform i got sent to the principal's office and that was the last time i saw that class they're they like that you know, that was the hair that broke the camel's back right i can't remember all the other stuff <laughs> i did but you know my mom could probably tell you sure sure um so, we'll get
1: your mom on the next episode. She'll
0: yeah, tell she, us all uh, the stories. She tells my kids all these stories. I'm like, don't tell these kids these stories. <laughs> so, yeah,
1: do they use them against you, your kids? Uh, No, not yet. Thank the, God.
0: They got a lot of their mom's brains, thank God. Good. They got her beauty and her brains. So. Good. They do have some of my rambunctiousness, though, which yeah? drives my wife up the it's wall. It's coming back to it. kick yeah. you in the butt? Yeah, it drives Kimmy a yeah, little bit crazy. Yeah. yeah. So.
1: yeah. Scott, that's also God's way yeah. of saying, yeah, you were a little a bit of a hellion, so
0: here you yeah, go. Yeah, these girls are angels compared to what I did so sure. far, knock on wood. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I love it, Mickey. This has been a blast. Yeah. I
0: thanks for the time.
1: Can't wait to see where this brand's going next. What do Neither people- can wait. What do people have to smoke right now? They got the Dedication.
0: And the St. Francis right now. And the St. Francis. And the Habano in Colorado should be on the shelves by October. And where can they go to get more information all Saints? just go to our website allstatescigars.com and you'll see our retailer locator on there we do not sell direct we right. do not sell direct we right. do not sell direct uh, matter of fact during the pandemic i'll tell you one of the things i did is um, those first two months we were really dormant so all the local area like all my friends that wanted to support me would buy cigars for me i would deliver the cigars to them and then run their credit card number through so the, the retailer that was closest to them, and then I would inv- invoice that retailer. See, so, that's brilliant. Yeah, so it was uh, it was something to keep me from going insane, keep me in contact with those retailers. I was hyper local to that Philadelphia area, right? And keep in contact with um, you know with my friends that wanted to support me during that time. That's awesome. Because you know it was it was two months deadpan silence. Right. And then finally, I just got in the car and just started.
1: And for a guy like you that's got to keep going, so what, now what? You're like,
0: yeah. when is this
1: going to come up?
0: Yeah. This so. has got to eventually break. Well, finally, I just jumped in my car and just got tested every time I got back from home. Right. So when I first started getting COVID testing, and it was $58, then went to $75, then went to $100, 150 in a matter of, like, <laughs> four months.
1: And you paid the all same, of it.
0: same, yeah. Yeah. So you'd see my expense report, hotel bourbon and in COVID. You know, <laughs>
1: testing, so. Hotel bourbon COVID. That's it. That's all yeah. he needs.
0: Well, you know, my, my, my I live off of uh, beef jerky and D- diet Mountain Dew when I'm on the road. I don't drink that or eat that when I'm home, but that and bananas. That's, you know, that and I'm bananas. Just go, 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 go. Good. So.
1: Well, we appreciate you making this. I Thank smoked you. this thing down in the nub. I love this cigar. Thank you. I didn't
0: get to do much of mine. I was, I guess I was talking too much. Sorry about that. The
1: Habano dedication, you guys. It's box-worthy. I approve. Mickey, thank you so much for joining me. Thanks for the time. Dude. Everyone, this is another episode of Box Press. For more information, go to All Saints Cigars to find out where you can get them. And as always, if you don't have Bovody in your humidor, head over to bovodyinc.com. Protect those cigars.